this party started just a little bit late that's all right we we, we talked brazilian steak ronnie adams gave us the lowdown on what that's all about mark radlich i'm not even going to introduce introduce mark because <laughs> he you've already heard him you know what he's about he's about somewhat paying attention to the podcast i am about not paying attention to shit that we're actually doing <laughs> <laughs> Never could have guessed that. Uh, now, but tonight we got we got a cool book we're going to be discussing. This is a book that I've been wanting to get to for quite a while. We talked Mark Radulich into actually picking this up. Mark Radulich is the physical media man. You know, me and Ronnie Adams may rely on the digital pretty heavily when it comes to the show. But Mark Radulich, he is a faithful comic book reader and he actually gets those floppy trade paperbacks in his hand really? and i think yeah and the man floppy. has a stack floppy floppy no, floppy you had to use the word floppy you, yeah, oh my you, god have you ever heard the term of floppies versus digital that's uh that's the way no. it is ronnie adams wow. well, you, you have now okay. you have now but no, we, we talked Mark into getting a another Brian K. Vaughn book because we talked Runaways. We, you know, we we praise upon Runaways and we said, well, hey, why don't you maybe we ought to check something else out by Brian K. Vaughn. And if there was anything that off the top of my head that Brian K. Vaughn had wrote that really grabbed me when I first read it, and that was uh, the the series called Saga. Now, this is an independent comic, but well, I say independent. It's Image. Image Comics. They're known for image is known for independence uh, when it comes to comic books but uh brian k vaughn is the writer of this story and the artist is an artist i did not know about until i picked up this book and was really floored by what the work that she put into this and her name is fiona staples and i I, uh, I one of the things that we noticed as we covered some brian k vaughn books in the past is that brian k vaughn his stories seem to always be paired with female artists, which is pretty neat. But regardless, she's she's a tremendous artist on her own, does a great job with this book. So I don't mean to interrupt you, but she no. also um Archie. Oh, that's right. It's yeah, the new Mark Archie. Wade, Mark Raiden, Mark Wade and Fiona Staples, right? Because um Josh Calanders hated Archie. Yep. And the only reason he ever picked up anything that having to do with Archie because it was written by Mark Wade and penciled by Fiona Staples. Yeah. You put a good creative team on that. You're, you're good to go. I mean, beautiful art in both, in both the books. Can you tell, I mean, when you comparing the two, can you tell, oh, yeah. can you definitely tell it's her work? Okay. Cause I, I don't think I've looked at much of anything from the new Archie series, uh, but she has got a distinctive art style here mm-hmm. that does this book wonders. So I'm sure that with, you know, what she's doing on Archie is probably just the same. But uh, uh, okay, so again, standard source material format. We'll rock it through this. I'll, I'll synopsis. We got six issues. This is volume one that we're covering. Uh, six issues uh, of the story. Mark's going to take a talking point on the first two. Ronnie, you got the number three and four, and I'll take five and six. Was there any other reason we did this other than just the fact that we begged Mark to read it? Was there, Mark, did you just throw this on the schedule because this was something we wanted to cover? Yeah, it was something we wanted to cover. Nothing tying in, so that's good. All right. All right, so... Nothing tying in. Got you. All right, well, here we go. I'm going to synopsis the first uh, two issues here, and we'll we'll get right into this thing. Uh, Here we go. Issues one and two. 
Now, two worlds. Picture this, folks. Two worlds interlocked in an endless war. Two souls interlocked in boundless love. Yes, that's right. I wrote that myself. Saga. Wow. <laughs> Saga is the Mark tale. did not write that himself. No, he did not. That was straight straight rip. Uh, <laughs> Saga is the tale of a couple. Marco, a pacifistic, magic-wielding Mooney from a moon called Wreath, and Elena, a headstrong landfall coalition soldier, who these two have found each other, uh, but the planets they come from have a long history of hatred. So we have two lovers from two different cultures who have come together. And we open the book with the birth of their daughter, Hazel. And while it's a joyous moment, they are shortly on the run from a coalition force who has been tracking them as Marco is believed to be an escaped prisoner. They avoid meeting their fate, flee to attempt to find a way off the planet for a safer environment away from the war and savagery that their two cultures continue to ravage upon each other. Continuing the pursuit is the reluctant Prince Robot 4, who has been, when you talk about, when you talk about strange characters in, in comic books, Prince Robot 4 is up there for me. Yeah. There, isn't, there isn't too much else that gets a little bit weirder other than Arseface, maybe. Uh, and Arseface, I can understand. A TV head robot right. guy. I was going <laughs> to say... <laughs> Compared to Prince Robot 4, he's pretty normal. Yeah, that's true. Uh, So the reluctant Prince Robot 4, who has been given the task by the king to find Marco and Elena and their child. Also on their trail is a freelancer by the name of The Will and his feline pal Lion Cat, who can detect when lies are being told. Uh, Clutching a map that Elena somehow secured, the new family set across the wilderness to find the great rocket ship forest to take them off the world. If they can cross the terrain and avoid yet another freelancer by the name of The Stalk, rescuing the family from what was going to be an untimely death at the many hands of The Stalk were the forest-residing horrors, an unfortunate group of child ghosts that were victim to the wars that besieged the planet. So that's issues one and two. We get our introduction to our two main characters, well, our three main characters, uh, which are Marco, Elena, and their daughter, Hazel. Uh, and we also kind of meet the Will, who is going to be, seems like he's going to be an important, important part of this story. Uh, Prince Robot 4, the strange TV had a guy. And then we have uh, the Stock, who is a, she's a spider-like woman, no arms, but lots of, lots of legs. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of where we're at. We get, a, we get a little bit of the history of the planets and, and their war that, the, that have continually aged, which I thought was pretty interesting. So, Mark, before I continue. Yeah, I was very engaged in this story. Uh, right from the get-go this this is this is my bag this is science fiction fan fantasy or science fantasy space fantasy would probably be the best most appropriate way to say it you know this was compared to like star wars and whatnot and i can definitely see that fantasy elements to it there's a specific movie i'm thinking of and i, I can't it's, it's on the tip of my tongue and i can't think of it right now legend that's the one ah. it, had a, it had a very legend feel to it so i'm like okay this is right in my wheelhouse it starts very it starts very exciting right off the bat you know, they have the birth of the kid and they are immediately on the run. I love the idea of it's Romeo and Juliet kind of a thing. It's a Hatfields and McCoys. You have these two people who, de- mm-hmm. who desert their uh, warring sides uh, of an endless war. Actually, I, th- I thought it very, very much spoke to a lot of the stuff we have going on today in the real world. But so you have you know two people who don't believe in the, in the fight and they desert their armies and they fall in love. And then, you know, then the question is asked, why would you bring a child into this terrible, terrible universe? And, uh, you know, because you do. You you love each other and you want to share that love and you want and you want to, despite it all, despite all, all the terrible things there are in the world, you want to bring a child into it um, and, you know, see if you see if you can do better 
Uh, I liked all those things. I, I really enjoyed that. Um, the Will character I thought was interesting. <laughs> the, just that whole interaction with him and the stalk. And I don't know if it's the, within the first two issues the stalk gets killed, but I was a little surprised to see that when it happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it the first two issues where the will goes to Sextopia, whatever the name of the the, the whore planet is, and um, they're like, "Oh, what you really need is something special." And it's like a six year old girl. I was like, "Ugh." <laughs> yeah, that. that uh, I mean, yeah, it's what I like about what they get to what they set up here in the first two issues is the whole environment uh, that is, you know, okay. Yeah. You got your space, these two planets and you got your space war going on, but there are some really crazy, fantastical elements to this, to this whole story. I mean, I already talked about them. I think one of the strangest things to come out of this whole thing is, is Prince robot, the fourth running around with a TV for a head. They don't, it's not like they sit there and they go into an explanation about every little crazy thing that happens in here. You just accept it. He's a guy that has a yeah. TV for a head. And I, I like that. I like the fact that they leave a lot of it up to the reader themselves. And it's not just it's not just him. You know, uh, he, yeah. he clearly <laughs> comes from a race of people who that's how they are. They have TVs yeah. for heads. And it's like, all right, well, like I said, I, it, no, it doesn't all have to make sense. It just has to be consistent. And it, I think that really makes sense. No. But it boils down to it. I mean, I mean, and, and that's what I liked about it is like they don't tell you how this race of people came to be or why they have TVs for heads. It's just there, mm-hmm. and it's your opportunity to suspend belief and go, okay, they have TVs for heads. Let's do this. Well, and yeah, I think like the first. I don't know. I don't know if it was the first uh, introduction we get to him. Prince Robot the Fourth is doing a very human thing where he's. I mean, you just see him and his wife, or well, his soon-to-be wife, I assume, uh, in bed together. And this weird. (laughs) I want to let our listeners know that this is a very mature comic. Oh, very. Uh, All right. So issues three and four. Uh, so even though Marco, Elena, and Hazel are safe now, remember, the horrors showed up and, and scared away the stock. However, prior to being ran off by the horse, the stock gravely injured Marco. It hit him with some kind of tongue thing or something, nailed him right, right in his chest. Uh, so the only thing that can save him is a healing spell that he knows that involves snow. Uh, a young girl ghost by the name of Isabel decides to help them out by getting them to a mountain so Marco can live. But in, in exchange, she wants to bond herself with Hazel so that she can go off planet with the family. So one of the things that they talk about or they asked her, like, hey, can you help us get to the mountain? And she's like, yeah, as long as you can help me get off this planet. The only thing that she can do is bond herself with the young child who was born on that planet. Uh, now, Elena reluctantly agrees. Uh, and this is where some of the stuff gets interesting. This is uh, near death and hallucinating. Marco lets slip about Gwendolyn, his first love. And the end of issue three is just Elena looking just straight out and right, actually right at the reader saying, who the fuck is Gwendolyn? <laughs> <laughs> which is a great ending to the issue. <laughs> Elena is incensed, but is able to save Marco's life. Waking, Marco reveals the history he had with Gwendolyn, which was a, a love at a young age. Uh, then Marco ended up joining the war. They, she, he tells Elena how him and Gwendolyn then grew apart as their ideology and things changed. And then he decides to tell, <laughs> decides to tell Elena about how he also had Gwendolyn's grandparents wedding rings that he and Elena are wearing right now. Not going good, bro. That's not, (laughs) 
<laughs> you're not dumb idea. you are not digging yourself out of that <laughs> it's like saying i had you know i bought this engagement ring for this other girl but i'm yeah. gonna marry you now so here it's, you go you know i was it's not bad enough that that was the case instead no it's actually his ex's grandparents rings and i'm like dude yeah. what are you doing so anyway things are cut short when another round of oh, coalition they're in the middle of an intergalactic war like you have time to go to k's jeweler <laughs> but you just yeah, don't right. you don't sit there and go okay well i got these rings they don't mean much other than my love right now and it, i i disagree uh, okay i don't know i i think it's a <laughs> I think it's that, all in the gesture, and if you love somebody, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't you know, matter where, where the ring. From? No, he oh. loved her, and he gave her, and, and and he showed her an expression of his love by giving her those rings. It's such a girl thing to get caught up in. Oh, the ring belonged to someone else's grandmother instead of focusing right. on the real important issue, which so is we're that he at loved from a her. Guy perspective of you mean you got these from somewhere else and you didn't have to pay for them? Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly how we're looking at it if you look at it from a you know a female perspective they're going to get upset because that belonged to someone else those were intended for somebody else not for you when those were bought though you did not that have is, that is that is re- you did not have her on your mind you had someone else on your mind that is so re- i mean mark you cannot tell me that if melissa had some wedding bands and she did the exact same thing. She gave you one of them. And then after you're married, which I don't know how long these two have been married here, but long enough, obviously, for their, them to have a baby, which didn't, again, that doesn't mean much. But regardless, after you guys were married and then she says, oh, yeah, by the way, those are my uh, there or my ex fiance's grandparents rings. You cannot tell me that. Oh, OK, well, that's fine. I'm just, and you just go ahead and continue to wear that ring without looking at it every single fucking day. So let me explain to you why I have my ring tattooed on my finger. Okay. I lost my wedding ring shortly after I got married to Melissa in a mud run. Okay. okay. I dove into the mud. Way to go. Boy, you and I lost and I lost the ring. Like I finished the race, looked down, I'm like, hey, wait a minute, something's missing. So somewhere out in the mud of Gainesville is, is my wedding ring. Ugh. And for years I did not wear a, a wedding ring because I didn't think it was necessary. I'm not cheating on my wife. I would never cheat on my wife. I don't pick up other women. I love her very much. I don't need a stupid ring to prove uh, that that I love this woman and that I you know that we belong together. She okay. felt she felt otherwise. She really got irritated by the fact that I never replaced the ring, and we kind of went back and forth on the issue. And finally, I said, "If you really want me to have a ring bad enough, then I want to get something that isn't going to fall off my hand the next time I go into another mud run, and I got a tattooed on my finger." No, I think jewelry is jewelry. It's not. Listen, there are plenty of men out there who buy women fancy jewelry and then turn around and cheat on them. Okay, the ring obviously means nothing. Oh man, that's it's an interesting take. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I can yeah. understand where the woman is coming from here. I can understand where Elena is coming from here. <laughs> I or maybe it's just the fact that I can see my wife reacting the same way. Go ahead, Ronnie. I understand where both of them are coming from. Like I said, once again, you didn't spend money on these. Sweet. 
We don't want that's <laughs> you know more money that we have for living. But yeah. the other thing is it, it it is, you know, I've been to plenty of weddings. I've never been married myself. It is a symbol, you know, a, a, a circle is supposed to be the, you know, the symbol of eternal love and, you know, un, un, unbreaking devotion and everything else. So I get the point of, well, this wasn't purchased for me. You know, this, when this was procured, this, you did not have this, have me on your mind. You had someone else and I don't want someone else's a token of, of your devotion to someone else. Mm-hmm. So I, I yeah. get it. I get where both are coming from. Uh, one, it's just, it's just, it's just mineral. It's just a, a, you know, something that we, you know, you took and made it into a fancy shape and you wear it. No big deal. But then, then there's the other, the, the, the symbolism of, of that, of that ring. What it meant to someone else. What it meant to someone else and what it meant to you when you purchased it for someone else. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I, I was just sitting here thinking about, my, our, my wife's first engagement ring, <laughs> you know, I, I, we did buy that off of somebody, but you know, we, we, but you bought that exactly for her. That's, that's where I'm going for. It was not given to me out of love from somebody else. And I was it, like, okay, well, you know, it I'm, doesn't matter where it, where it came from. When you mm-hmm. picked it out, you picked it out for her. Like yeah. I, I inherited my grandmother's ring, her engagement. Mm-hmm. And you know, God willing, that's going to go on my future wife's finger. I don't think she'll have a problem with it if, you know, I hope not, that it wasn't brand new picked out for her, but it was picked out for her when, because it means something more, you know, to me having my grandmother having more in it. So it's special to me in that, that sense. But, you know, I I get both sides, you know, to me, it's just a ring's a ring, but to, to other people, but I say that never having worn one or or anything like that, but you know, I could change my mind later on. I see both sides of it. You know, it's just one of those things where. Well, everybody's got their own opinion about it. Yeah. And I think that it would be nice if anybody does listen to this podcast and wants to chime in. We would love to hear from you just to just just to hear what you got to say. And you can send all hate mail to Mark. What's your email address? (laughs) (laughs) I'm at gmail.com. I ain't scared. Send it. I ain't scared of shit. I'm kidding. Don't you dare send that sweet, sweet man hate mail. (laughs) Things are cut short. You know, we're just about to be. (laughs) Speaking of cut short we are we are about to watch elena throw down on marco for uh for what he has what he has just disclosed to her but things are cut short when another round of coalition soldiers show up giving marco only one option with no time to run he has to protect his family at all costs I want to quickly jump back to the will. When Mark kind of already alluded to this, this is where Mark is, uh, or excuse me, the will, not Mark, the will is given. Mark would have a good time on Sextillion. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> I really would. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, I, I would not bang the six-year-old. I would, I would very much react the way the will did. But uh, for those of age, hotsy totsy. Oh my goodness! What what a planet! What a Thanks planet! Thanks for clarifying, oh, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> the, You're welcome. The will is given an unlimited white credit card and put on retainer as a freelancer to bring Marco, Elena, and Hazel in. Now, while he's on retainer, he decides to take a trip to the heathen planet of debauchery called Sextillion. Uh, after arriving there, the Those will two rescues. Words are so. Perfect. Oh, they are, dude. Heathen, Heathen planet debauchery. of debauchery. debauchery. 
Hibachi. Hibachi. Uh, you know, no, Brazilian steak. Um, after <laughs> arriving, hot donuts. Hot donuts. Yeah. After arriving, the will rescues a young girl who has been into slavery there, unaware of the cost of his actions. Okay, so there we go. Issues three and four. We had a long discussion about <laughs> should you give a ring away? Should you not give a ring away? Uh, we have the will who's on sextillion, who's just trying to have a good time and ends up getting uh, wrapped into his, I guess, his own code of honor in regards to a, a young girl who's been sold into slavery there. Ronnie Adams, issues three and four, man. What do you got to say? Is it really a code of honor to rescue that small child from that, that life? Well, you know. Or is it just the right thing to do? When I say code of honor, when he's got that pimp or whatever it is, that guy that takes him down there, the will down to the basement, the, you know, the, the super secret place of Sextillion. The guy looks at him and promptly before he gets his head crushed. Uh, yeah. he, he says, you know, he says, what are you, what are you, what are you freaking out about? You're a freelancer. You kill kids. Then of course, pop goes the weasel there goes his head. But uh, I say code of honor because I can believe that the will has probably killed children in the past to make money. Okay. That's just, that's my, I see what you mean. That's, that's my opinion. So who knows as to what depths of evil this guy has? Well, clearly he has a limit and that is obviously seeing what's going on here with this young girl he knows that she needs to be out of this position immediately and, and plans on rescuing her so uh but anyway go go ahead ronnie you had a, what else you want to talk about on three and four how creepy is lion cat <laughs> that's just the creepiest just I mean, you could go back to one and two, three and four, wherever Lion Cat, you know, he comes up. He's just like, he's drawn creepily. He is, uh, it's just, you know, it, like you, you look at the spider. What was, what's she calling it? The, the, uh, hold on. The, the stock. Yeah. The, the stock. stock. I mean, that's a creepy character. That's just hideous. But then you, I mean, look, just look how the, they've drawn Lion Cat's eyes <laughs> and how it stares into your soul. It's pretty freaky. And it just replies lying. Yep. What the heck? Again, another good representation of the, you know, almost like the randomness of the yeah. of this whole story where, oh, yeah, now we have a cat that's about, uh, I don't know, 20 times the size of a real cat who yeah. can tell you or tell when you're lying it's like okay that's very strange but i'll accept it and it's horrifying <laughs> uh lion cat's pretty neat uh, lion cat has i've seen actually i mean people people who've read this series i could tell they have because they've changed their profile picture to lion cat at some time at some point uh yeah. it's either that or it's become lion cat's become such a a large pop culture icon i don't know about all that but <laughs> i don't think that's the point <laughs> that <laughs> It's gone to that extent. I'm a lion cat shirt on, but uh, <laughs> but okay. If we start getting into why Marco um, took up like a vow of passive pacifism, uh, I know it comes up a lot throughout this. Uh, it actually brings him into conflict a couple of times with uh, his wife, you know, because like he really doesn't want to start murderizing people. And she's like, we are on the run and are going to be killed. You have to do something. And at one point, he really like loses control. Yeah. Um, and she has to kind of like walk him back from the brink. So I thought all that was interesting. I like that's the thing is I, I like the fact that they were very consistent in the sense of very quickly establishing who these characters are you know they're not just one guy with a horn one guy with pixie wings and blah blah yakety schmackety you know like they they have points of view that are very that are established right right from the start yeah. which i really liked yeah one of the they're very fleshed out characters one of the things i liked was 
you talked about the whole Romeo and Juliet thing here. I also think Hatfields and McCoys, you know, these, these two warring nations are brought together by, mm-hmm. uh, you know, two people who have, and it's neat how they're just, they're so sick of how their, their culture is. And they're sick of how their people are acting that, when they were, I think when she was, when Hazel was born, they, uh, they were both talking about something. I think Elena was talking about doing something with her wings, like bleeding her wings or something. And he's like, no, we agreed. No religion, no politics. This is something that has to happen without all those influences. And that's a pretty noble goal, especially for two people who are, uh, you know, from these pretty extreme representations of of who they could be i mean uh, both of these characters people are warring against each other um so i like that part about it because that mm-hmm. that brings that brings the heaviness in my opinion uh, to the best parts of this story is, is their struggle to continue to look well first off they got to try and live number one and, and number two they got to try and raise their child the way that they think should be right mm-hmm. how it should be how it should be done so all right well let's get on going here uh we will move on to issues five and six we're we're close we're closing up shop here pretty soon uh issues five and six all right so marco marco engages in furious battle just like you were talking about mark he engages in furious battle against the coalition forces that show up in order to protect his family and breaks the vow that he made after the birth of hazel by brandishing his sword and almost killing the whole coalition force if it weren't for his wife elena putting a halt to his rage he would have killed them all stealing their ship the family of four remember we got elena marco hazel and our ghostly Isabel, who's tagging along now, she is bonded with Hazel. They all hop upon the uh, they all hop upon the the stolen coalition ship and head out to the rocket ship forest. <laughs> what a name! <laughs> it's like lollipop guild. It's like a Wizard of Oz. Stuff it really is like Wizard of Oz. I was getting ready to say that. I mean, because you're never explained why Oz is like this. Why there, you know, there's poppy fields and and little people and and a yellow brick road. You just you accept it. Yeah, and. This this is like a mixture of of that fan, you know, all these fantasy titles and the rocket ship forest. I mean, that is an actual it's an actual forest of rocket ships, ladies and gentlemen, wooden rocket ships. Uh, now, once there, they're able to board a great, somewhat sentient wooden rocket ship. But Marco must make a sacrifice. He has to sacrifice something in order to gain entry, something very important to him to himself in order to be able to get in there and get his family inside this rocket ship. Uh, so Marco takes his sword out and breaks it on his knee and they are able to get in and they are off. Uh, after some discussion, Elena uh, decides that their destination as they reach space will be the planet Quietus. Uh, so that's that's kind of where we live, Marco and Elena for right now. Let's switch back to the will. All right. Now, I mentioned about how the will was kind of unaware of the cost of his actions and what he did in saving the young girl. Well, he finds out that the young slave girl was given to a resident of Sextillion named Mama Son in order to pay a family debt. Now, removing the slave girl from the planet would actually kill her due to something foreign that was put in her blood upon arrival to Sextillion. So that's basically their way of making sure whatever comes to Sextillion, if it's property of theirs, it's going to stay there. But if the debt were to be paid, Mama Son would remove whatever it is that would harm the girl. Uh, And it turns out it's a pretty steep price, Uh, so much so that Will desperately now needs some money and some work to stay afloat. Uh, so in the middle of contacting the stalk, and that's where you kind of see that there, I mean, you kind of get there's some history between the stalk and the will, especially once he find once he's talking to her and he's like, hey, you know, I need 
I wonder if I could, can I help you out maybe to get some extra cash? And in the middle of the conversation, the stock is killed by Prince Robot the Fourth, setting the will on a path of revenge. All right. You could tell he's emotionally distraught that she gets killed. <laughs> and to which he tells Prince Robot, I'm going to come and kill and murder you and everything you love. So there you go. That's where we kind of leave the will. Now, at the end of the sixth issue, Prince Robot the Fourth finds a clue in the back of a schlocky romance novel <laughs> that used to be Elena's. Uh, that may lead him. That, that may lead him to the whereabouts and destination of the couple. Uh, so while riding on their wooden rocket ship, there is a startling appearance by two of Marco's masked kinsmen beaming right into the ship. After apparently killing the ghostly Isabel, Elena fires her her weapon, knocking one of uh, one of the I don't know what we're going to call them, the wreath natives. Uh, knock, knocking them one of them back. Uh, Mark, Marco finally gets her to put the weapon down, and we find out that the two wreath natives are in fact Marco's mom and dad. So that is it. I mean, that's kind of where we leave. We've got a lot of a uh, lot of family issues going on, a lot of uh, relationships being built. Uh, so I got issues five and six. I mean, I guess the talking point that I would maybe bring up is just well, let's let me get your guys's opinion. Do you think now, Ronnie? I don't know how far you've read in the series. But is there definitely, would you guys agree with me that, that there's something going on between the stock and, and the will? Yeah. Okay. All right. Mark, do you get the same impression? Yeah, they outright said it, you know, that there was a relationship there. And I don't remember if they ever got into detail as to what it was, but it's initially like he he doesn't want to help her out because he still has like feelings for her and whatnot. Oh, it's Yes. Like, yeah. Jump in any time, Ronnie, if you remember more of the details. But basically, like he still has feelings for the stock and it, it just doesn't go well. And then she's like, and then and then no sooner than he's willing to get over that because he needs money now to save this kid, and she's dead. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So this is life. Yeah. The other thing is, well, let's just talk about let's just talk about the big uh the big uh cliffhanger at the end of issue six, and that's when Marco's mom and dad show up on the ship. And that's what now throughout the throughout the whole book, it's it's kind of being somewhat narrated by what I assume is a grown up Hazel because and that's that's kind of what makes the the story neat. This is something that's taken place in the past where Hazel's kind of reciting what happened to us. But I loved it when the kid, you know, when Marco's mom and dad show up, you know, the, the final words are. And that's when my grandparents came to live with us. Uh, so, yeah. Mark, your favorite parts of this book, what would you say your fa- favorite parts of this book or favorite aspect of this book is? You know, this might sound funny, but I actually like the fact that it was as graphic as it was. You know, <laughs> we we don't we well, we don't I mean, we read a lot of Marvel and D.C., they're they're a bit tame by comparison. This or this, you know, know it's funny. Tame. I don't know about bit tame. I mean, a lot tame compared to this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I when you saying. got the sextillion, it's probably one of the. I think something one of the best pages is just the will walking through sextillion. No words. But you just watch. You're looking at everything that's going on in the background, <laughs> every single thing. I think there's one panel where there's just like a stuffed, like almost Barney dinosaur with a big, uh, a big dildo coming out of it. <laughs> it's just insane. I was reading an article because because I was done reading it. In the you know you know me, I'm always I'm always make believe producing TV shows and movies in my mind. One of the things that jumped out at me was like how cinematic this was. And how this really needs to be like a an HBO series. You're not getting away with this anywhere else. Um, this has to be on HBO. Absolutely. But um, I was reading an article. So like uh, Brian K. Vaughn was like, yeah, no, 
this is the this is one of the few things that I can just do anything I want with. And that's the way this comes across. The aspect I liked best about this comic is there doesn't seem to be anything holding the writers back. They can take the story anywhere they want to go with it. They can do anything they want to do with it. It, it makes it fun that way. You know, so often we read stuff here on source material that has to fit into a predefined box, whether it be Marvel or DC. I think they're both equally guilty of this. And this is just this smells of freedom. Yes. This story can just go anywhere, do anything. It's really, really fun and fascinating stuff. I'm I'm with Mark on this. Um, This there are not many books that you can tell have this much freedom. Now I, I'm on the different, I'm the opposite side. I was a little, well, not a little, I was, I was pretty off put of how graphic it is. Yeah. Like, eh, you don't really need all that. Um, yeah. you, you don't need all that in my opinion, but, but it also just proves how, how much freedom that Vaughn has, um, in, in writing this and how much, you know, freedom that they have in drawing it as well. So, you know, I, I like that. I like the fact that they can get, they know what they can get away with, and it's pretty much anything they want. So uh, there's something, there's something refreshing about reading a story that that has allowed that. Yeah. Um, it's not just the 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 sheer, you know, like the graphic, you know, parts of it that prove that. It's just the fact that the sheer silliness of some of the stuff, you know, a <laughs> dude with a TV for a head mm-hmm. um, and a, a giant cat that just has one, has a one word vocabulary and it's lying. <laughs> um, it could tell when you're lying. Some of this stuff would never make it past the editors in, 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 you know, the in DC and Marvel. Yeah. So um, they're like, what, well, why does he have a cat that's li- that can tell when you're lying? I don't know. He just does. You know, leave it alone. Let it be. You know, no, they're just like, okay, go with it. Let's let's roll with that. I like it. So that's refreshing in the fact that that he's allowed to do what he wants with the characters and and the storyline and go where he needs to go. Yeah, that's the beauty of Image Comics, in my opinion. Yeah, Image Comics allows you that freedom, and you they just say, okay, you tell the story. Yeah, you tell whatever you want. You know, if it sells, great. You know, we're not we're not. I, I can't remember how Image is set up. I know it's it's a pretty popular way of setting it up compared to DC and Marvel who own all their properties. This is we all know right. that Brian K. Vaughn owns this book and it's his yeah. book. He can do what he wants with this book. Uh, so one of the things I would probably bring up as my favorite aspect of or my favorite thing about Saga as fantastic as it is as the uh, as wide ranging and and just insane as the story gets every uh, when it comes to characters and setting it is very very down to earth yeah and I, I think that you know we see some some crazy stuff happen but there are again we're talking real issues that happen in a comic book here the first thing first thing mark said when he opened up the book it, it was he he sent us a message that said am i shitting i feel like i'm shitting or something like that he says well we're off to a great start this is going to be this is going to be my type of book but that whole situation was just where it was where elena was giving birth and that was something that i myself I, I could identify with because I even though I wasn't given birth, no, I wasn't doing that, but I was I was on the other side of things and that was a real concern, believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen. You may feel like you're actually pooping or you may actually poop when you're giving birth. Childbirth is beautiful. <laughs> 
Good night, folks. As a person, as a human being, you're worried. You're worried about that. You know, you're worried about. Okay, am I am I going to poop in front of somebody? Whatever. But that's just re- that's real talk. That's like real talk in a comic book. And there was a lot of that throughout this whole thing. Uh, the whole relationship between Elena and and Marco, very believable in my opinion. They're on the run. They want to save their family and they want to make something. You um, know, the woman in your life is going to stay with you forever. The first time you rip ass in front of her and. <laughs> He doesn't walk right out the door. <laughs> well, that's the truth. They deal with very real problems, just like you said. I mean, like how many couples have had that have had that discussion of all right, when we raise our kid, we don't want to raise them like our parents. Oh so, yes. You know, we don't want to do things the way they did. You know, if if we raise you know our kid like our parents raised us, there's going to be major problems because our parents don't want us together. You know, mm-hmm. it could be a, you know, in today's society, it could be a financial issue. It could be a, a, a race issue. It could be multiple things. And and then in this, it was a more of a, a, like you said, a religious and political issue uh, that they weren't together. You know, they were, you know, two warring worlds. And then they found each other just like Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you think about it. um, you know, how many how many couples had to hide back, you know, or even today, you know, all through time because one may be black and one's white, you yeah. know. Oh, yeah. Uh, one may be Jewish and the other one may be agnostic. I don't know anything. Uh, it, it, it's they deal with those issues in a fan, just like a fantasy, fantastic way. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think that brings our coverage of the book to a close here. I mean, let's. Mark Rylance, you're glad you read it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I I don't want to make it sound like with all my silliness that I that I wasn't into it. I actually very much was. Yeah, it's it's really hard to criticize a book like this for sure, and that's kind of where a lot of the fun of the podcast comes into sometimes. But there's yeah. definitely there's definitely some stuff that we can see in here uh, that we can talk about. But it, it's a good book all around. It really one is. Of the things I, one of the things I said to you was I we have to start scheduling in more of these. Yeah, I I want to I one of the things I came away with was I want to know what the next thing happened. You know, it a lot of what we read. It's like by the time we get to the end of it, okay. I'm like okay i'm done here glad we're done yep <laughs> yeah i'm we're good mm. moving on and when i got to the end of this one i was like Ugh, i really like this and i want to know what happens next i'm not like there are certain things where i'm like i'm okay with just having volume one and not continuing mm-hmm. i really want to see what the next like how where you know where where this is going yeah yeah well we will at some point revisit the world of saga and I'm sure we'll be doing volume two sometime, which will probably be seven through 12. Uh, Ronnie, I know you like this book. Do you have any idea how many issues you've read so far of Saga? You aren't like, completely caught up. up to right? volume three. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Well, we will come back to the world of Saga. That has been our coverage of it. I, I definitely enjoyed it. So let's go ahead. We'll get into plugs so we can get out of here. Uh, Mark Radlich. Buddy, what what do we got coming up on? This is airing. This is airing a couple weeks from now, and it like the fifth of February. Yeah, if you're listening to this on um, YouTube, uh, you got to see a lot of me tonight in person. Um, it's actually, <laughs> and now we normally do it like one week ahead of time. In this particular case, it's two weeks at a time. This goes up on the Rattles and Bro- God damn it. This goes up on the Rattles and Broadcasting Network on February 5th. That same week, Alexis, this is, this is, is Haina, and I will be doing the first volume of Pinky in the Brain. And on the Metal Hammer of Doom, we'll be doing Leaves Eyes. The week prior to that, 
And the reason why this isn't going to be next week is Jesse and I are going to be looking at Black Mirror on uh, January 29th. Sean and I will be doing The Godfather Part 3 on On Trial. And mm. we'll be looking at Machine Head Catharsis on the uh, Metal Hammer of Doom. This week, if you're listening live, um, what ran on, what went on the uh, source what went up on the Rattlevision Broadcasting Network was the Vision, Tom King. Oh, Vision. Let's see that dick. Um, oh, no. <laughs> on TV Party tonight, we'll, be, we'll all be back again when Ronnie will have important things to say, and I will cut him <laughs> off to start singing other songs <laughs> or talking about the schedule or something like that. Yep. Um, and, we'll be, and while we're doing that, we'll be, doing, we'll be looking at the Orville season one, and then uh, Jesse my, and myself and Robert Cooper will be reviewing Avatar avatar country on the metal hammer of doom mm, all right all right all right hot donuts what you got for us <laughs> mark when avatar goes you know plays a concert do they dress in all blue no it's not oh, that kind of band avatar country <laughs> dude listen what's the name of the album it's called avatar country right right okay the Every single song has the word king in it, which is very, wow. which I think is very interesting. So, Ronnie Adams, this might be something you could stay. This isn't Watain. This isn't, you know, this isn't Cannibal Corpse. You might be able to hack listening to uh, Avatar Country and come away with something, or at least listen to us talk about it. So, all right, yeah. Ronnie, go ahead. What's your plug? I have a show called Screaming Boy Podcast, and basically it's a pop culture, nerd culture show uh, where we talk about a plethora of different uh, subjects. We uh, just recently dropped two episodes where I realized that I put the wrong file <laughs> on Libsyn. Uh, I put the raw file on. So at the end of the episode, you hear me and Jesse going, hey, do you want me to just cut this off? Yeah, yeah. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> so I was like, where's the music? Why is there no music? So I have to fix to that. Yeah, so I have to fix that. But we talked about the uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi. And then we had, you know, we it was basically that was the whole episode. How, you know, our thoughts on it, you know, on the characters, uh, on, you know, it, it created a little bit of controversy amongst fans. Very strong feelings for and against it. And then before that, we had a uh, our TV episode where we talked about our favorite current TV shows and some stuff that we can, you know, I, I posed a question at the end what's the one show that you can go back and just put on and watch over again, over and over again. So, you know, just leave it on in the background while you're doing housework or, or whatever. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, Josh Clanders brought us runaways. Adam brought us Silicon Valley. You brought us uh superstore. That's and, right. Yeah. Uh, all three shows are, well, I haven't seen Silicon Valley yet, but uh, according to you all, and I've seen the other two fantastic shows. So coming up soon, we're going to bring Josh Kalanders back and we're going to talk about the second half of Runaways because uh, we only got the first half in there with the first five episodes. Uh, we're also going to have, uh, we're coming up, we're going to discuss uh, the toys that made us, the, the, four episodes that came out on that one uh, correct me if i'm wrong it was gi joe star wars barbie he-man he-man yes yeah. and he-man um so we're going to be talking about that we're going to talk a lot about that crazy looking doll that sat in the background of that one lady's house. oh no we're not we're not we're <laughs> talking about annabelle i don't i'm not down with that it looks like something mark radlich would have hanging around his house man uh, we've also I've also got some conventions coming up in March and in July. Um, so we're going to have some convention coverage in, in the near and distant future. Uh, comic book conventions, Comic Cons. Uh, we'll have the New York or New York. Why do I keep saying New York? Ooh, uh, the Nor- New York. 
Yeah, North Carolina Comic Con coming up in March, where mm-hmm. the the main you know headliner is Kevin Eastman from Eastman and Laird, uh, the creators of the Teenage Mutant Ninja, Tur- Ninja Turtles. North Carolina Comic Con always has a lot of you know events going on. The last one I went to, they had a uh, a film festival where they showed a lot of you know a lot of classics, Adventures of Babysitting, Terminator, uh, Blade, things like that. So uh, there's there's a lot of cool stuff that's going to be coming up on that one. I'll be doing some filming uh, to put on our YouTube page and uh, hopefully some interviews in in that. But there will definitely be a lot of pictures and some coverage afterwards. And then we got Raleigh Supercon where Dave Bautista, Sean Gunn, uh, William Shatner, Amy Joe Johnson are going to be there. So. So we got some cool stuff coming up. Definitely, we're going to be streaming live on Twitch on Player Unknown's Battleground, uh, Call of Duty World War II, and uh, coming up, jo- uh, Josh uh, Adam has has plans for us to play online, pro- possibly stream some Dungeons and Dragons. So that's going to be a lot of fun there just to see us and how goofy we are. <laughs> so like I said, we got a lot of cool stuff coming up. Go on Facebook, look up Screaming Boy Podcast on Instagram, Screaming Boy Podcast on Twitter, Screaming Boy PR. And we've got iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and right here on the Radio Lich and Broadcast Network. So go on, subscribe, give us a like, tell us hi, whatever. You know, we love to interact with people. We love to have, you know, feedback and everything like that. So please, please get in contact with us. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, go give that Rattlich in Broadcasting Network Facebook page a like to stay up on top of all the great podcasts that we have to offer. We have wrestling, we have MMA, we have video games, we've got comic books right here on the Source Material podcast, just like Mark Rattlich alluded to there earlier. We are at 140 some episodes, closing in on 150. Had a bonus episode drop today, which was Mark Rattlich's pitch for the West Coast Avengers and Vision series. Uh, West Coast Avengers movie in the Vision series. So give that a listen and, and listen to uh, what, what we think should happen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, other than that, you can follow me at Stiznarkey on Twitter and the show's Twitter at SourceMattCast. And go, go to blogtalkradio.com. Give us a like there and find everything out there in the archive. Just search Radulich. R-A-D-U-L-I-C-H. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Hot Donuts over there. <laughs> Over there. You can make fun of me all you want, but those donuts are amazing. I'm telling you right now, I, if I had the chance to eat steak and go to donuts and not do a comic book podcast, I would have hey, I would have bailed. Matt, Ronnie, I, I, I'm not I'm not discrediting you in any way, but damn it, bro. I tell you what, hot donuts. Uh, Mark Radlich, that's Mark Radlich over there in the other corner. My name is Jesse Starcher. I'll see you guys later. Have a good one. Major Tom to ground control I'm stepping through the door Fucking in the butt Fucking in the butt Fucking in the butt I'm scared as shit was the steak at least good? What makes a what makes oh, a Brazil- okay? Uh, tell me how a Brazilian steak works. A Bra- it's not a Brazilian steak. It's you just told a, me it was a Brazilian steakhouse. The the, the way they <laughs> serve the Brazilian. Okay, go the ahead. way they serve the steak, Jesse. <laughs> yeah, he said with derision. Jesus. <laughs> the, the way they serve the steak, it's you kind of a son of a bitch. Somebody just sent me a picture of you at the steakhouse digging in, and I, I mean, oh, come on, <laughs> that's not cool. <laughs> the old 96er. <laughs>
if I could uh, stop this revelry for just a moment, I want to make three suggestions. Okay. If you start scheduling something. <laughs> Whatever, crazy steak-eating guy. Um, that doesn't sound like much of a... <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> not an insult. It's not at all. Truth. Redstone, you return to the fiery form as an ale swinging, as an ale swilling, rapier swinging ship captain. But it's only a matter of time until she's right called here. to action. What I say? Rapier. <laughs> rapier <laughs> swinging ship captain. But it's only a matter of time. And I, you know, I do know the word rapier. That's the sad part. Um, I know you know the new word. No, it's not going to go down that way because I want it. And <laughs> we, we can't talk about stuff you want. No. Podcast. That ain't going to happen. Go ahead and just start the podcast. I, I will try to pay attention to it. Okay. All right. <laughs> You're going to come up with something in the middle of the show. Oh, and that's good. Just to be like, what did you think about Saga Mark? <laughs> I'm Daffy Duck at the window. <laughs> All right. No, this, is, this is something completely different. Batman 66. I can't, I can't stop looking for things. I can't do it. But go ahead. I've had my camera on this entire time. Whoops. Entire time. You had no, no idea? No. I no, I normally turn it off by now. Um <laughs> it's off now. I I, right, I saw so, nothing. I, I saw nothing. I saw nothing! I saw nothing. <laughs> oh no. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Yvonne. Oh, no. No. <laughs> Damn it, no. Uh, All right. Um, and five, four, three. <laughs> so. Yes. Fucking the butt. Fucking the butt. Fucking <laughs> in the butt. This is not a very mature podcast. <laughs> I'd like to fuck the shit out of you. Pop, pop, pop. Oh, my Go goodness. Of all the things that have happened on this podcast, I've never really heard Jesse go, oh, oh dear. <laughs> Mark, stop. I believe it's David Allen Cole, by the way. Oh, okay. Well, I know well, that. that. That makes sense. David Allen yep. Cole had a lot of songs yeah, he had- didn't have. What? Yep, here we go. David Allen Cole. Jesse, upload that shit. <laughs> Oh my gosh. What? I keep coming back. <laughs> trying to figure out why. I gave up hot donuts to be on this show <laughs> at Krispy Kreme. Uh, Mark Radlitz to Comics Chat. David Allen Co. Fucking in the box. <laughs> there you go. Here's your link. <laughs> oh. you, know, you know the ending music tonight has to be fucking in the box. No. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Argue that point, Mark. Nah. Why? Wait a minute. What? Okay. <laughs> now hold on. I just wanted to hear Mark's reaction to that. <laughs> okay. How the hell did I get dragged into this? <laughs> a stuffed, like almost Barney dinosaur with a big, uh, a big dildo coming out of it. <laughs> it's just insane. Like you do. Um, <laughs> sure. Did that last night? You know. No. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. You love me. <laughs> fucking in the mud. Fucking. Oh my gosh. I keep coming back. <laughs> you ever fought like shit, you pants? <laughs> I have. Mark Rattles has. <laughs> I have important things to say, Mark. 